No doubt with the internet and social media, news travels faster today than it did 2,000 years ago. But even when it traveled primarily by word of mouth, it still traveled at the speed of sound. You know, good news has always traveled fast. It even traveled fast on the Sabbath, the day of rest, after Jesus spoke in the synagogue in Capernaum. Mark puts it this way in his gospel, his record of the good news. Chapter 1, verse 28. And immediately the news about him went out everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. Jesus had created quite a stir the week before in Nazareth when he offended everyone in the synagogue and they threw him out of town. And now in Capernaum, he had amazed everyone, teaching with authority and even commanding an unclean spirit to be quiet and come out of a man who had disrupted the service that morning. And by evening, the whole city had gathered at his door. Continuing with verse 29. And immediately after they had come out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to him about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. And when evening had come, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door, and he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak, because they knew who he was. When the synagogue service was over, Jesus headed to Peter's home for Sabbath dinner and a day of rest. When they got there, however, they discovered that Simon Peter's mother-in-law had come down with a fever and wasn't feeling well. Now, chances are pretty good that they had stayed there the night before. Peter's home was most likely where Jesus stayed when in town. Why Peter's mother-in-law hadn't gone to the synagogue, we can only surmise. But women were relegated to a secondary role in the synagogue, and she may not have made going a, a top Sabbath day priority, as, as did most men. Or perhaps she just stayed home to get dinner ready for Peter and Andrew and their guests. Whatever the case, when the men got home... It was discovered that she was sick. Their first reaction was to tell Jesus because they knew he could do something about it. And being men, it's possible that their primary concern was dinner. However, since Peter's wife was no doubt there and they really weren't in 
danger of going without a meal. They, they may have just been concerned about grandma. But either way, Jesus responded to the need. He took her by the hand, raised her up, and the fever left her. She was immediately made well, well enough, in fact, to go back in the kitchen. <laughs> now, I'm sure that wasn't Jesus' motive for healing her. But when he healed her, she did feel well enough to get back to doing what she wanted to do. And apparently, she wanted to be of service to Jesus. Her response to Jesus' touch is obviously one we would do well to emulate. You know, when he blesses us with healing and gives us strength, we shouldn't view his healing touch as a reward for faithful service, but as an opportunity for continued service. That's what she did. And she probably knew that Jesus really didn't have to heal her. Chances are pretty good she would have felt better in a day or two. But Jesus took the time to heal her anyway, and she was grateful. It was a simple miracle that took place in the privacy of a home. It wasn't intended to draw attention to Jesus, but apparently word got out. When evening had come, when the Sabbath day was over and three stars could be seen in the sky, people began flocking to the home where Jesus was staying, bringing to him all who were ill and demon-possessed. Mark says, with a touch of hyperbole, the whole city had gathered at the door. And Jesus started healing them and casting out demons as the need might be. Now, when Mark says he healed many and cast out many demons, he's not saying Jesus only healed some. He used an idiom that meant he healed them all. And when he cast out the demons, he wouldn't let them speak because they knew who he was. Now, Luke tells us they were, in fact, crying out that he was a son of God, but that he was rebuking them and wouldn't let them continue speaking. But why not? Why not let them speak? You know, to be recognized by demonic spirits might not be the best reference in the world, but if supernatural spirits testified in fear to the son of God, surely people would listen and probably believe. But Jesus didn't want the people to know who he was. Not yet. They had a lot of misconceptions about the Messiah. And he didn't want them to be so excited that they wouldn't listen to what he had to say. He had a message to get out and a mission to fulfill. He did not want to be sidetracked by misguided popularity. But the news went out, and everyone was looking for him. And in the early morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. 
And Simon and his companions hunted for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby, in order that I may preach there also, for that is what I came out for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. After a long night of healing the sick and casting out demons, Jesus got up early while it was still dark and went out to a deserted place to pray. Apparently, even Jesus needed time to pray undistracted. He needed to spend some quality time with his father, away from the demands of ministry, as do we, because obviously we are all involved in ministry. And it is important to have quiet time, time to reflect, time to commune, time to recharge. You know, we might not think of Jesus being drained spiritually. But when he became a man, he subjected himself to the same struggles and weaknesses we face. So like us, he needed time to recharge so he would have something to give. Edith Schaefer, the wife of Francis Schaefer, the influential Christian thinker and philosopher of the 70s, wrote a book that I think is actually better than most of his because it's understandable. It is, in fact, one of the best books I've ever read on the family and is simply entitled, What is a Family? My favorite chapter is chapter 10. A door that has hinges and a lock, where she discusses the problem of giving so much that you run out of anything to give. You know, she and Francis founded a retreat in Switzerland where young people with spiritual struggles and questions could go to find answers, and the community they created was like an extended family. But in order for the family to be able to have anything to offer those who came to their door in need, she said there were times when the door had to be locked shut. She compared it to baking bread. If people are outside your door clamoring for bread, it does them no good to throw out a bowl of flour and water. You have nothing to give until the dough has been kneaded and has risen and has been baked. So you have to keep the doors locked until the bread is ready. She applied this to hospitality in our homes and our ministries to others. She said there must be times when we shut everyone out so we can prepare to meet their needs when the door is open. I think that's what Jesus was doing here. When he withdrew from the crowds, he wasn't trying to get away from people. He was preparing himself 
to meet the most important need they had. And when Peter found him and told him everyone was looking for him, he said, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby in order that I may preach there also. Now, there were 250 towns in Galilee, a 60-mile-long and 30-mile-wide northern district of Palestine. And according to Josephus, there were over 15,000 people in each of those towns. So there were a lot of people in Galilee, and Jesus wanted to preach to them all. Do notice the priority he gave to preaching. For that is what I came for. He had a message to proclaim. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. His primary objective wasn't to heal people. It wasn't to meet people's physical needs. He did it because he could. But that wasn't what he had come to do. You know, healed people get sick again and eventually die. And he didn't come to offer temporary solutions for temporal problems. He came to offer permanent solutions for eternal problems. He couldn't let himself get sidetracked. Satan had tempted him with the promise of popular acclaim and an easy path to success when he was in the wilderness. And Jesus had resisted it. Now he had to actually face it. He could have had a very successful ministry right there in Capernaum. But if he had stayed, he would have failed what he had come to do. How easy it is to get sidetracked by success. Churches get caught up in successful ministries all the time and forget what they're here for. Jesus didn't let that happen. He walked away from a town that some would have said was ready for revival so he could preach in synagogues throughout Galilee. And as he was preaching, Mark notes he was casting out demons, but it it wasn't so he could establish a deliverance ministry. When preaching in Capernaum, the man with an unclean spirit interrupted him and told he told the man to be quiet and ordered the spirit to come out of him. I imagine that scene was being replayed throughout Galilee. You know, if Satan couldn't get Jesus sidetracked with success. Maybe he could just disrupt him when teaching in the synagogue. But even that didn't work. Jesus simply cast out the demons and continued teaching. But Satan didn't give up. He kept using success in an attempt to get Jesus off course. For they were coming from everywhere. And a leper came to him, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. 
And moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. For he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news about to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city but stayed out in unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. Now, Mark doesn't make note of it, but between verses 39 and 40, Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. Mark simply keeps the action going, telling of a leper who came to Jesus. Now, leprosy was a horrible disease, and it came in a couple of forms. Nodular leprosy began with discolored patches of skin, developed into nodules that grew larger and larger, and eventually ulcerated with a foul discharge. It was a horribly disfiguring disease that usually ended in death within nine years. Anesthetic leprosy affected the nerves, so the victim couldn't feel anything and would lose fingers and toes to burns, disease, frostbite, and animal bites. It could continue for 20 to 30 years. The most common leprosy was a combination of the two. And the scariest thing about leprosy wasn't that it was incurable, but that it was highly contagious. It doomed sufferers to a life of banishment away from family and anyone who did not have the disease. Lepers were required to wear rags, cover their mouth, and cry unclean so no one would come into physical contact with them. And it was a man that Dr. Luke notes was full of leprosy that fell at Jesus' feet and said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. His faith in Jesus was remarkable. He knew Jesus could cure him. He just wasn't sure that he would be willing to do so. Now, I don't know if we should read into this an understanding of the fact that it's not always God's will for illnesses to be cured. But we do know that is true. Years ago, Jim Blessing shared with us in an Abundant Living seminar that there are three types of sickness. A sickness to death. We must all die. And many times God uses a sickness to take us from this life. A sickness to chastisement. God sometimes uses a sickness to discipline us 
to make us stop and reevaluate where we're going. And there's a sickness to the glory of God. There are times when sickness is used to simply bring glory to God by miraculous healing or by a demonstration of the perseverance of the saints. When we get sick, it might be helpful to try to discern what God might be doing through our sickness. Could he be trying to teach us something? Could he be giving us an opportunity to bring glory to his name? Or could he be calling us home? You know, whether the leper understood all this is unlikely and irrelevant. All we know for sure is that he recognized that Jesus could heal him if he wanted to. Jesus responded by doing something that was not expected and that was actually illegal. Moved with compassion, he touched him. Now, he didn't have to do that. He could have said, be healed. He could heal from a distance. But he touched him. And he said, I'm willing. Be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left, and the man was cleansed. Now, the song says, he touched me and made me whole. If that's the case here... The man's missing digits may have even reappeared. Whether they did or not, the man was cleansed. Then Jesus said something the man probably didn't expect to hear. He sternly warned him to say nothing about this to anyone except for a priest who would declare him to be clean. You see, sometimes... A bad case of eczema or ringworm would be enough to have someone branded leprous. So the law allowed for people to be declared clean if what they had didn't prove to be leprosy and it cleared up. What this man had had was indeed leprosy. He was full of it. But the priest wouldn't know that. And being officially declared to be clean would free the man to be legally reunited with his family. Now, whether he went to the priest or not, we're not told. But we are told he disobeyed Jesus with regard to telling about his healing. He went out and began to proclaim it freely. In fact, Mark says he spread the news to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city. Now, I'm sure Jesus could have publicly entered the cities if he wanted a crowd of excited people. If he had wanted a hugely popular and successful ministry, but that's not what he wanted. He wanted to teach people spiritual truths that would prepare them for eternity. And that is what he had come here to do. Now, 
We do try to meet physical needs if we can. James says we can't just pray for someone who is hungry and send them away hungry. We've got to meet legitimate needs, even if the need involves something that scares us, like AIDS. Like Jesus, we must be moved with compassion and do what we can do. But our primary purpose is not meeting physical needs. It isn't drawing big crowds by giving them what they want or even need. It isn't providing support groups and counselors and social workers for a sick society. It's teaching the truth that will set men free from the bondage of sin and bring them back into relationship with their Heavenly Father. To settle for less is to abandon our purpose for being here. Jesus wouldn't let that happen, and neither can we. There are a lot of good, benevolent social agencies in the world, and we ought to support them. But we cannot allow the church to merely become one of them. Our calling is higher. Our objective is greater, and our mission is eternal. Our objective is to call men to that which is higher and nobler. To call them to the true one, the just one, the one who has words of life, eternal life. That is why we're here. That's what makes the church different than social agencies and benevolences. Our job is to teach the truth. Our job is to bring men and women and children to a place where they understand why they're here on earth and prepare them for life eternal. Our job is to bring them into relationship with their creator after sin has separated them. To help them understand that God loves them and has, has prepared a place for them. Yes, there are times when he brings temporary healing to the body and those little reminders that he's involved in everyday life. And yes, there are times when we need to reach out and, and do something physical for someone in need. But we cannot allow ourselves to be sidetracked from the mission to which we've been called. Jesus did not allow that to happen, and neither can we. And if you're here this morning and you've not responded to that which is higher, that which is nobler, to the one who is higher and nobler, to the person of Jesus, we invite you to come, and you should hasten to him. Let's stand.